Everyone deserves a decent place to live. Everyone. Decent shelter is something we all need to thrive. Through shelter, we empower. Visit Habitat.org to donate today. Now, from the Cheap Seats with Chris DeLambert and Brandon Atkins. It's March 29th. We're just a couple of days away, and just like everybody in America, in every bar, in every barber shop, we're talking about the NCAA tournament. I'm Chris DeLambert. Brandon Atkins hanging out with Hello. me, my, my partner in crime. And uh, we're going to dive straight in. I want to talk about Gonzaga, South Carolina in this matchup. The Zags getting past Xavier in a, in a tough matchup, but uh, they made kind of easy work of it. And South Carolina, with the victory over Florida, just sort of solidified themselves as America's sweetheart team. You know, everybody loves a good story. And South Carolina is a seven seed, first Final Four ever. Um, this is a good matchup between two defensive ball clubs. Um, I know I was looking at the the uh, Vegas. Vegas got uh, Gonzaga as an eight to five favorite to win the entire thing. I don't think that has anything to do with them matching up with the winner of the Oregon UNC game. Um, it's just a matter of them not giving South Carolina any respect at all. Brandon, how can South Carolina win this game? Okay, first of all, between Mark Few and Frank Martin, who wins in a fight? Like, does Mark Few pay someone to beat Frank? I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm, I have all bets on Frank Martin. I'm, I, I will absolutely confirm that I wouldn't even pay for that on pay-per-view, man. <laughs> I, I absolutely wouldn't because Frank Martin would destroy that guy, and it'd be one of those situations where I'm like, I didn't even get back from the kitchen and the fight was over. Okay, so how do we know so much about Mark Few and he's getting to his first Final Four? Well, Mark, how Few, do we... Mark Few's won 500 games in 18 years. But then how do we know so little about Frank Martin and it's his first Final Four? Like, I, I like Frank Martin. So I, I can't even remember your question, but this is like, <laughs> it's like an amazing scenario in which you have Gonzaga. Mark Fuse been there for 18 years. This is a fir- his first Final Four. You have Mark, uh, Frank Martin, his first Final Four. I've never even heard his name, you know, maybe – Three or four years ago. So so what you're saying is both of these guys are in uncharted territory. Yes. All right. So let, let's talk about Mark Few first. Mark okay, Few's been at go. Gonzaga 18 years. It's the only head coaching gig he's ever gotten. In fact, it's the only school he's ever coached at. Ten years or so, he was an assistant. Um, Dan Monson left in 98, I think, to yep. go to Minnesota. Never did anything there. Ended up Long Beach State, whatever. But Mark Few got that gig as an assistant. And really, I mean – you can't find fault with anything he's done there. 18 years, 501 wins now. Um, Gonzaga, I, I saw it, I think a five up, what are they, 501 and 112 over 18 years? That's sick. That is crazy. That's sick. But the flip side of that is you look at a regular season schedule, which in most years, you know, they're going to win 25 games. Some years they're going to creep close to 30. Um, every once in a while they have a run like they did this and uh, this year and, and lose just the one ball game. But the only team they're playing in conference that's any good at all is St. Mary's. And it's then they get good. to this tournament and everybody complains that they're underseeded. And then they go out in the Sweet 16. 
that's just kind of how it's been for the last 18 years. Yep. Uh, half of the what what is seven times they've made it to the to the uh, to the Sweet 16. One of those they got to the to the Elite Eight, um, and this is their first Final Four in 18 years. So it's easy to say, all right, Mark Fuse built a powerhouse out there on the West Coast. You know, Gonzaga, the school that produced John Stockton and nobody else. <laughs> uh, Gonzaga is a powerhouse. Well, are they really a powerhouse? I mean, does, do, do we really want to look at Mark Few's last 10 years against Roy Williams? Right. Um, you know, you have to keep it in you have to keep it in context. And that's the thing with Mark Few. It's easy to get carried away. Yes, Gonzaga has been the little train that could, and it's been a nice story for a lot of time. Now they're in the big they're with big boys. And their region, oh my gosh, it opened up like the Red Sea for them. Yeah. And they're into the final four. And oh yeah, they get a bunny, depending upon how you look at it, in their final four matchup with South Carolina. Frank Martin is eating this up. Oh, yeah. And you said it's a tough guy. And he's looking across the board. He's looking at the odds. He's listening to what the pundits say. And yes, people like you and I are talking about it. We're like, South Carolina, man, that's a great story. It's a great story. It's a great story. Frank Martin is finding every bit of bulletin board material he can to get these guys rallied to play that lockdown defense and give Gonzaga everything they want. The question is, though, where can South Carolina find enough offense to win this ballgame? They're, they're, you know, this is not a team that's well-balanced. Everything that they do go through Cinderius Thornwell. This guy has come, you know, he's become a household name now for sports fans who all pretend that they knew anything about him before the, before the tournament started. Right. You know, because unless you're a hardcore SEC fan, you know, Cinderius Thornwell. Uh, no offense to Gamecock Nation and Columbia, one of my favorite cities in the in the world, by the way. Oh, absolutely. Um, so you're talking about a guy that came in first three years, you know, played pretty good basketball. He came in as a four star recruit, uh, had three passable years as a good as a good NCAA player. This year blows the lid off it. He's a player of the year, and now he's got his team. Is it fair to say he's got him on his back? Because offensively, yes, but defensively, it's certainly a team effort. Frank Martin. Has has created a culture there where you're going to play defense and you're going to play hard and you're going to make sound decisions or you're going to come sit with him. Um, where does South Carolina find their offense okay, in this you, game, Brandon? You're trying to find another scorer. Maybe you don't need one. Thornwell is that special. The guy scores over 21 points a game. Then look at their defense. It might be all about the defense. A lot of these games are one ugly. Look at the Kentucky-Carolina game. That was an ugly game. It was entertaining and fun to watch at the end, but everything gets thrown out in the Final Four. If you look at South Carolina, their first trip to the Final Four, they're, uh, according to Ken Pomeroy, like they're second in defense in his efficiency ratings. Who's number one? Gonzaga. So it's going to be, in my opinion, if you have the big um, Karnowski in the middle, you know, just basically bogging down things, it's going to be a hard time for a lot of scoring. It may be just a defensive battle, and however it plays out, it may just be that Thornwell's just enough to like push them past a Gonzaga. Okay, I don't I, think I, I want to stop you right there okay. because we're, we've talked about defensive efficiency ratings. Right. Okay. Now Gonzaga, when you when you have a one loss season, and you go through 
and you play the way that they have, you would think that they would be ranked highly in rankings for everything, right? Right. All right, you're talking about in terms of offensive efficiency, the fifth-ranked team in the country. All right, so you're talking about number one defense, number five offense. Right. Yeah, you're playing against Santa Clara and whoever yeah. else. But, and, but regardless, yeah. I want you to take a guess. 351 teams in the NCAA, in NCAA Division One. Where does South Carolina rank in terms of offensive efficiency? It's got to be, I'm going to guess, 175. Yeah, that was a blind guess? Yes. That's amazing. 195. Okay. Right below Farley Dickinson and right above the University of San Francisco. Wow. All right, 195. Now, throw that out, like you said, because if they can figure – there's two things that have to happen for South Carolina to win this ballgame, okay? First and foremost, they cannot expect their offense to go through the post. Karnowski will wreck shop against them and change shots and, and make them miserable. Coats are – um, and Silva, they are not going to be able to do damage offensively in the paint. The other piece of that is they have to shoot the ball amazingly well. Gonzaga is going to out-rebound them. That bottom line. If South Carolina can convert at a high rate and a high percentage, that's their formula to victory. If they get out there and think that they're going to have a game like they did against Duke, where they dominate the offensive boards and they're getting the putbacks and, and they out and they get so many more opportunities than Duke did, which is how they, they ended up winning that ball game, they're confused because Gonzaga is not that team. Right. So two things. Do not try to run the offense through the post. It's going to have to start on the perimeter. Um, you're not going to get points in the paint and shoot a high efficiency. Now – that said, I do have to I do have to qualify that by saying that I'll talk to anybody and I'll give anybody advice because that's just the kind of guy I am. I would never even pretend to want to give Frank Martin advice on coaching. No. Because I'm afraid of him. And I do think that he, you know, if he hears this show, he'll come to my house and punch me in the right. throat. And I don't need that from Frank Martin. Great guy. Now, you asked the question though. Who is Frank Martin? Nobody knows about him. Mark Few and his and his uh accomplishments have been well documented. Frank Martin's no slouch. This guy didn't just show up on the scene. Frank Martin was hired at K-State back in 2007. Kansas State gave the guy a shot. Um, he was a, he was a, um, a very a, a highly accomplished high school coach down in Miami, won three state national three, three straight state championships. Udonis Haslam, Steve Blake, guys like that coming through his program. Amazing basketball coach that got into it relatively late in life. But then he showed up at K-State and was able to get Michael Beasley into the program. Right. He took K-State into the NCAAs and got them into the top 25 rank, ranked within the top 25. It was the first time since 72. All right. So you're talking about a guy that, that you know, came into K-State, made them valid again because K-State hadn't been any good for a long time, and – took them to the NCAAs four out of the five years he was there. Right. Um, little surprised that he he moved almost laterally to South Carolina because South Carolina, you know, it's not a basketball school. And K-State is one of those jobs that you kind of build up. But, you know, every one of the years he was there at K-State, he won 20 games. And and when he left, he was 22 and 11. Um, 
best time for K-State with the, was 2009, 2010. They almost won 30 games that year. So Frank Martin knows what he's doing. He got to a South Carolina program that was bottom of the barrel in the SEC. And he, I, want to, I want to read you his conference records in the five years that he's been there. Four and 14, five and 13, six and 12, 11, seven, 12 and six. That's, a, that's as distinct a trend as you ever want to see. He's got this program on the come. When you look at what he's doing, when he starts to bring real athletes into that program, and it's not just the one four-star like he's getting with Sundarius Thornwell, but people are, are looking at that program say, hey, look, I want to go to a place where everybody around me is going to play hard like that. Frank Martin has got these gang cops on the map, and heaven forbid they actually get past Gonzaga. Because you want to talk about a boon to recruiting. Oh, my gosh. That would be an upset for the ages. So this is going to be – there's a lot on the line here. All right, we'll finish talking about Frank Martin when we come back from the break. Um, Hope you're having as much fun as we are. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. You grew up knowing you could do anything. As a soldier in the U.S. Army, you'll test your limits and feel the pride of doing things you never thought possible. With guaranteed training in one of more than 150 career fields, up to $40,000 cash enlistment bonus, you'll earn a steady paycheck, get money for college, and gain valuable experience while you learn how to be a valued team leader. To find out more, call your local Army recruiter or visit us at GoArmy.com. There's strong, and then there's Army strong. The V Foundation and board member Robin Roberts are dedicated to declaring victory over cancer by funding cutting-edge research. Jim Valvano's greatest legacy is the V Foundation. You can help join the fight, give the gift of time. We need passion, we need teamwork and momentum. The time to act is now. There's not a moment to lose. Every dollar counts. Every day counts. To find out how you can join us to defeat cancer, please visit JimmyV.org. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. Welcome back to From the Cheap Seat. All right, we'll put a bow on the Gonzaga-South Carolina game. Brandon, you got any last observations before we uh, move along here? Well, I think um, Frank Martin got a little lucky with Thornwell because he came onto the scene. He was a four-star recruit. His freshman year was amazing. His sophomore year was as amazing. So he got to keep him. He's not falling into that one-and-done trap. So And now he's the player that everybody thought he would be. Frank Martin's pretty incredible. He's a Bob Huggins disciple, which is amazing in it, in its own right. And then Frank Martin has really shown me that he – if you look at some of the – he had an interview the other day with Mike and Mike. He was a teacher during the day, and then he would go and leave. He was in South Beach, and he was a bouncer. 
that's all you need to do, to, I guess, to coach college basketball is like <laughs> to be able to teach and be tough. Um, and, you know, just local tie. Chris Corciani's kid plays for his team. I'm pulling for him. They do have um, the, the cuts are the big, big that might be able to, you know, deal with Karnowski just a little bit. But I would say this. I thought Hootie and the Blowfish had, you know, Darius Rucker, Hootie and Blowfish were bar none the favorite musical. If you're trying to line up everybody in the Final Four and do this thing where, well, this is how I want to pick my Final Four. Hootie and the Blowfish was by far the best pickup until I looked at Gonzaga. And lo and behold, a graduate from Gonzaga is Bing Crosby. Shut up. Bing. What? Crosby. And I'll just end it there because Carolina like had. You did. Drop Mike. Uh, drop Bing Mike. Bing Crosby is a Gonzaga alum. He at least attended there, but I think he's a Gonzaga alum. I think Carolina had some guy that finished sixth in the American Idol. <laughs> And then Oregon had some, you know, like punk rock lead uh, singers. So, like, Gonzaga, just on those terms alone, should win this thing with Bing Crosby, right? Well, I tell you what. You go ahead and take Gonzaga because of Bing Crosby. I'm going to take Gonzaga because of Shemit Karnowski. Okay. Um, So, that we're agreed. Gonzaga's going to win this thing. South Carolina has been a great story, but we're going to put this to bed and see if Frank Martin can can move that program to the next level. All right, fair enough. Now, I hope that we can make it through this next segment without a physical altercation. It's doubtful. Doubtful. Um, Brandon Atkins, you are, beyond any shadow of a doubt, the biggest UNC fan that I know. Okay. All right. You're you're actually decked out for the folks at home, um, not just rocking the ball cap, yep. but also a Carolina blue shirt. <laughs> That is complemented with Carolina blue kicks. So, um, yeah, that's kind of, I don't even know that, I, now that I think about it, I've got to form in my mind, I don't even know if you own any clothes that are not Carolina blue. I don't. Oh, well, fair enough. All right, Carolina played, they've already played the game of the tournament. That UNC-Kentucky game couldn't have been any better, could it? No, not really. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm sure there's some folks in Lexington that think it could have been better if you know there'd have been a lob at the end of the game and a tip in to you know win the thing. But what a ball game! Kentucky came in with their with their you know their freshman Malik Monk and De'Aaron Fox. Everybody talking about them. UNC handled business. Um, Luke May, who is this guy, Brandon? He's a guy that got playing time. In a time, like he's he's basically a walk on initially, and he's got a they got a guy that got playing time because Isaiah Hicks can't stay out of foul trouble. So throughout the year, Roy Williams' plan is to play as many players and wear you out during the course of the season, and it usually pays dividends. But Luke May, I watched him all season long. The guy, even when he wasn't good and hitting shots, will take shots. Luke May, there was no doubt. When he took that last shot, I knew it was going in because I've seen him take that shot a million times, and he just doesn't play. Um, I, I think I called you and said, Luke May, the force be with you because 
He's so clutch. You know when what? It comes you, to did, that. you did call me and say that, and it was just as corny when you said it to me on the phone. I love that, though. Like, I mean, I mean he had Christian Leitner, uh Twitter. I don't, I'm not on Twitter yet, but he did the Twitter thing to Luke May and basically said the number 32 like, is with you. Like, because he hit the last second shot against Kentucky. Um, we were due for that. I'm a Carolina fan. I make, uh, I'm a Carolina alum. I, I make no apologies for that. We were due after that. What happened um, in that debacle against Villanova last year? We were due for that shot. All right. So this is the question, and, and I'm going to I'm going to tell you something. I don't think I had the the stones to tell you before right now. <laughs> At halftime of that ball game, you know, I used to live in Lexington, Kentucky. I, yes. I've got I've got Kentucky fans that I think are still hungover um, from all the 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 whiskey they drown their sorrows in. But at halftime of that game, I texted a very good friend of mine who's a who's a Kentucky Wildcat fanatic. And I said, you know Kentucky's going to win this game. And he said, yes, I do. And I really thought that the pace of the game, the fact that Malik Monk has, has shown throughout the season that he heats up in the second half, I thought things were, were laid out for Kentucky to win it. And then we get down to about four minutes left. Kentucky's up five. This, for me, as a disinterested observer, because I don't give a doggone about UNC or UK, to be perfectly honest, this, for me, was the game that gets the monkey off Roy Williams' back. You guys, even the faithfulest, the most faithful, I guess is proper. Yeah, that's right. Even the most faithful Tar Heel fans talk trash about Roy Williams' in-game coaching. All right, he's a great recruiter. But then it, the timeouts, he can't help but screw up the timeout situation. He can't manage his players right way down the stretch. He faced probably the, you know, if not the best team in the tournament, the other best team in the tournament. I think everybody looked at that and said, UNC Kentucky, these teams, odds-on favorites, you know, in, in terms of uh, of talent. He stared Jim Calipari, or John Calipari down and beat him in front of a national television audience. Right. I'm taking away your right to talk trash about Roy Williams ever again. What do you think about that? I think that's fair. Um, it was very clear. It, it, the Carolina program is an extension of Dean Smith. It's a system. He installed it. Roy Williams tweaks it here and there, but he he basically keeps that whole system in place. By the way, this was like... um. This matchup between Oregon and Chapel Hill, they should have met in the Maui Invitational, but um, poor Oregon got beat by Georgetown, and we see what happened with their coach. I just think that um, Roy Williams' extension of Dean Smith's system makes sense. You saw Meeks get the inbounds play as soon as Monk hit it. I think he had 12 points that game. Uh, Monk, um, as soon as it went in there was no hesitation there was no panic it went right into uh, uh you know right into the tar hills from meeks kicked back to luke may and it i mean the rest is history i, I i'm just i'm i'm amazed at how that actually played out when roy has been so by myself he's been ridiculed about his timeout 
selections, like in certain parts of the game, and how many players he plays. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm gonna I need to kind of pile on there because this is a team that for the balance of the season, you know, had Justin Jackson being talked about as a first team All American and a Player of the Year candidate, and so on and so on and so on. And and my early on, I would have agreed with that. He was putting up those kind of numbers, but as the season wore on. Justin Jackson kind of crept back into the maybe the best player on the best team type situation, more like Josh Hart, because he wasn't putting up 25 or 30 a night. But I really believe that was by design because as Carolina has come down the stretch with the, you know, the ACC tournament loss to Duke aside, somebody has stepped up and it hasn't been. You know, you you never know. I mean, one night it's Theo Pinson, one night it's Isaiah Hicks, and it's Meeks or or Barry or Jackson. You just got so many three, so many things that Carolina can throw at you. This is a tough out for anybody. Um, when you look back at this team, real quickly, where does this team, in terms of talent, stack up against the '05 and the '09 championship teams? Talent, NBA talent, maybe. As good as some teams, like if you figure in Hicks and maybe Minks, obviously Justin Jackson. But, you know, I mean, if you stack them up to the best college teams, there's no comparison. You if, think they're that much better? No, I don't think there is, there's any comparison to what made it um, – Hansborough did in 09 and Sean May did back in 05. Like that, that you had you're talking about Ray Felton and Ty Lawson, point guards, pushing. You had Ellington and McCants at shooting guard, and then you had Hansborough and May. Um, at you know your enforcer down low. So th- this team is not as a good college team, but maybe it has better pro talent. Interesting. That's an interesting observation. And those, you know, the sort of blast from the past names you just pulled out. That was kind of impressive. You did that with no notes for folks watching at home or yeah. listening rather. That was that was kind of impressive. Now I will say, Oregon is they warrant conversation. Right. I will tell you that before Boucher went down to his knee injury, um, I thought Oregon was the most talented team in the tournament. I still say that Dylan Brooks is the best player in the country. And I'm not an Oregon Duck fan. This is from a, you know, again, a disinterested observer. Oregon is going to give Carolina everything they can handle. They play great transition defense. And prior to the Boucher injury, you would have said, well, they play great post defense. Nobody expected Jordan Bell to blow up the way he did in the Elite Eight, you know, almost pulled a triple double with blocks included. And that had never happened. Um, Dylan Brooks provides sort of the Sendarius Thornwell. You know, he's that guy that we talked about for South Carolina, for Oregon. But then you look and you've got Tyler Dorsey. You've got Jordan Bell. um, Dylan Ennis. These guys play some basketball. And this is a a deep team. It's a talented team. They can play a lot of different styles. Um, I'll get your prediction when we come back. You're listening to Krista Lambert and Brandon Atkin. You might not love your seats, but you'll love the show.
When I was just a tiny baby, I was stolen from my parents. I was imprisoned in a cramped cage and was touched and photographed completely against my will, solely for somebody's profit. Then I started to grow bigger, and they locked me away for life. If you knew that was the life of a tiger cub, would you still pay to pet her? Learn how they're exploited through petting and photo ops at cubabuse.com. Hello, I'm Rob Beckley, lead singer of the band Pillar. I served in the Army Reserve for eight years, and it taught me lessons in teamwork, leadership, and organizational skills that I still use today. Serving part-time in the Army Reserve also offers skill training, money for college, and bonuses up to $20,000. So if you're up to the challenge, talk to your local Army Reserve recruiter today or check us out online at GoArmyReserve.com. You too can be Army strong in the Army Reserve.